Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. This episode of Writing Excuses is brought to you by Audible. Visit audiblepodcast.com slash excuse to start your free trial membership. Season 9, Episode 11. This is Writing Excuses Microcasting. 15 minutes long because you're in a hurry. And we're not that smart. I'm Brandon. I'm Mary. I'm Howard. And the part of Dan this week will be played by a drunk mariachi band. I think it might be played by a mime. <laughs> oh no, it's a drunk mariachi band. I can see they're all sleeping it off <laughs> over there in the corner. Oh, uh, that's what I get for trying to come up with hard ones for you to do. Um, all right, we're going to microcast. So I have gone to Twitter and asked for what people want us to answer, and we will answer it. But I do want to mention Eric James Stone, once again, filling in for us and joining us. Thank you, Eric. Happy to be here. Okay, question number one from Andrew. Should a pantser rewrite their book once they know the entire story? That is frequently what pantsers do, Yes. in fact. I know a lot of people who treat their first draft as a long-form outline, Yep. and make their big structural tweaks and then will toss the entire thing and write it from scratch. I don't think that you need to do that, but just know that that is a viable option. I think if you... Yeah, that's the extreme option. Well, yeah. I don't think it's that extreme. I'm like Mary. Most people I know who do a lot of discovery writing, this is how they approach it. But I think it's the should that is, that is the... Yep. I think if there's a should, it is... If you think you were a pantser, try this. Does it make your book better in the way you want it to? Um, try the tool out. It's something I, as an outliner, only ever do if there are multiple years between drafts. And I've written one, it just doesn't work, and I put it aside forever. Um, but I know Dan does it a lot, and Kaylin, a good friend of ours in my writing group, does it for every book two or three times. Yeah, I know a lot of people who do it two or three times. It would drive me crazy, yeah. but I know people for whom it works very well. Just don't get caught in the trap of rewriting it over and yeah. over yes. and over again, rather than yes. getting, getting it the best you can and sending yeah. it out. The way the tool works is when you have written the story one time and you are able to identify all of the major structural problems and all of the minor character arc problems, and you are now ready to rewrite it. The wrong approach is, well, this version didn't work, so I'm going to throw it out and start again and hope that the next version is better. Um, yeah, that, that's, that way lies madness. Yeah. Yep. Usually, Kaylin will finish the book, or at least a large chunk of it, exploring how the book works and what she wants from it, and then she can approach it. I would say don't be discouraged by throwing away 50 or 75 or 100,000 words if those 100,000 words were required to set in your mind what the right mm -hmm. 100,000 words look mm -hmm. like. There is nothing wrong with that. Okay, next question coming from Brian, who is at KillerMonk. What do you find most useful from an editor while you are writing your books? Excellent question. 
Um, so my editorial process is that we sit down and we talk about the outline, mm -hmm. and we get the outline structurally solid, and then she doesn't see anything else from me until I have written the book, done a language pass, and then I send it to her. I would want nothing from my editor before I hand in a book, um, at least the first few drafts. Um, in fact, sometimes re recently, because of deadlines, I've had to be working where I send a chunk and then write the next chunk while Moshe is editing that chunk, and I never look at the chunk he's edited until I am done with the book. Yeah. Now, I know other people, mm -hmm. and this, so this is very much a, it depends on your writing process, I know other people who send it to their editor and get feedback and react to that feedback as they're working through, yeah. that there is a constant give and take all the way through the book. Um, now, I, I think a, the, what he's getting at here is how can I be a better editor, mm. perhaps? And so let's take a different uh, direction I, on You know this. what, let me, yeah. uh, because my editor experiences have been very different from yours. Uh, I had two editors with uh, the Extraordinary Zoology and Heartfire projects with uh, Privateer Press. And the first editor, uh, Scott Taylor, I remember him you know, looking at the story and saying, okay, uh, we, need, we need an action scene right here. Um, and it can be, it can be kind of unrelated, you know. But you know, have something explode and the mule gets spooked. But we need an action scene here. We're writing adventure fiction, and essentially, what he was saying is, um, you have sold this story into a market for which you need more action in it, and there is not the that action is not in it yet. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, from an editorial standpoint, if you as an editor know what market you are trying to sell this story into and can communicate those market requirements to an author in a way mm. that make the author not feel like they are writing to the market. Right. Um, uh, good yeah. luck with that, but that's... Yeah. I, I, the, the reason, yes, and, and that ties to the reason that I do things the way I do with my editor is that I want her to tell me things that I do not know how to already fix. Mm. Right. And so I'm asking for big structural issues. Yeah. Um, and, and that includes things like you need an action scene or this mm -hmm. character doesn't make any sense at all. Um, and that's what I get my, with my editorial letter and then later we do yes. line edit stuff, which is totally and that's, different. That's exactly what I need to. Um, I will usually mention when I send a book off to Moshe, or well, sometimes I will, sometimes I won't, what I think the biggest flaw that I'm looking for help in mm -hmm. um, regarding is because my editor is good enough to not be changed by that. He can read it and knowing what my problem with the book is can look for fixes without or if he thinks it's not an issue he will say this isn't an issue written yeah. where a writing group often if I tell them that ahead of time they will immediately flag it as an issue and yeah. not even think about whether it's not actually an issue yeah and and look at that mm -hmm. uh, in turn you know as a greater problem like overlook yeah. everything else because they're right looking and for an that editor problem. what I want from an editor is the person I can say things like that to, mm -hmm. and a person who can who can know where to push me a uh, great example is Moshe on um, on Warbreaker where I, I, I have a number of very kind of humorous characters and he got back to me and said you need to take the humor up a notch uh, watch this movie and this movie and read this book um, and analyze what they're doing with their humor and try and incorporate some of that. You know, part, and, of, part of what yeah. I'm hearing here, your relationship with Moshe yeah. is based on the fact that Moshe's read, what, three million of your words? Yeah. Five million? Mm, I, a lot of my words. A lot, a lot, a lot of your words. Um, if you want to be a great editor for an author, 
um, read some of that author's stuff so that you know, uh, especially you know their best stuff, mm -hmm. so that you know which game it is you are trying to uh, trying to help them up to. Um, ben asks us. You guys do a lot of story level creation casts. Any chance of drilling down to scene sentence level creation? And it occurs to me that that is something that we could do more casts on. Mm -hmm. um, I wanted to mention the reason we don't do it is uh, it's so much harder to talk about, I feel, because it's, that's the sort of thing where you've got a paragraph and you can say, oh, you're doing this, you're doing this, you're doing this. But just talking in general, Use the right word. Be less passive. This is, um, this is a cast, th mm -hmm. this, or this is a question, yeah. where it would be really nice to be able to sober up the mariachi band right. and have Dan in the room to talk to us about poetry. Yeah, yeah we, we need Dan for this one, or Pat Rothfuss, if we can get Pat on to talk about sentence-level stuff, because, you know, in all honesty, personally, this is not something I excel at. I wait, create workable prose, workmanlike prose. That's what it is. I try to make prose that doesn't draw attention to itself, but Pat creates beautiful prose. Yeah, let's uh, let's let's can, can of worms, worms that. One. Um, let's go ahead and say, uh, let's see. Thomas asks us. It might be a little outside the scope of the podcast, but any advice for pitching to agents and editors? I think we can give some advice on yeah. pitching. Yeah. Yeah, although, again, this may be something we could do a whole podcast we on. We probably but... could, but let's just do a few pointers here yeah. and we'll see. Um, so, so one of the things, I think this is actually one of Dan's suggestions. Yes. Um, oh boy, I don't know. I'm going to go pass some coffee to the mariachi band. Okay. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, but one of the things he says is that if you think about trying to describe your novel as if a 14-year-old boy is summarizing his favorite movie ever, Mm -hmm. And you just focus on the cool things, and you're not actually talking about the plot at this point. <laughs> That's yeah. actually my outlining technique. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh... um, I would suggest, in line with that, stay away from too many proper names. Mm -hmm. uh, don't tell them what kingdom it's happening in. Don't tell them the character's huge backstory. Focus on the conflict and and what what really works. Um, I have had I've asked this of various agents and editors, and they all have different tastes. Like mm -hmm. Joshua says, never give me the um, anything that sounds like a movie trailer. Yep. Um, but it's very hard to not do something that sounds like a movie trailer. In a um, world. Yes. And he doesn't want rhetorical questions. He doesn't want, what would you do if your mother was an alien? I, you know. Yeah. I would also stay away from the, well, it's like Babylon 5 meets yes. Calvin and Hobbes. Yep. That's yep. the sort of thing that, he, that yeah. he was pointing at that he really disliked. Yeah. Um, the thing that works well for me is to uh, combine the familiar and the strange. Mm -hmm. Yes. Um, read uh, read uh, Terry Rossio's um, essay on the strange attractor, which mm -hmm. is this whole thing done in a Hollywood context yeah. of how to pitch and come up with this strange attractor, the familiar and the strange. Yeah. My formula for writing uh, back cover copy uh, works well for pitching, and that is character, conflict, setting, hook. Okay. Mm. Um, I, I, there might be a dozen characters in this book that are important. There mm -hmm. might be a huge angle of the setting that is important. But if you distill that as far down as you can so that each of those elements is represented and you end with a hook, uh, and I don't know what the hook might be. I mean, it might be the strange attractor. Right. It might be... I don't know what it looks like. If we mm -hmm. knew what, exactly what hook hooks look like, then... We'd all be millionaires pitching to Hollywood. Um, oh, we do know. We're, yeah, we're, we're pretty totally. good at it. Like yeah. you and your story that we um, that we either workshopped in the last episode or will workshop soon. Um, 
we don't know when the it's order the 30 that minute be. episode yes yeah, yeah. the 30 minute episode you're you have a hook right at the end of like scene two great mm-hmm. one yeah um so um so the the thing that i will say regardless of how you want what mm-hmm. what the actual words of your pitch wind up is that the next step is exactly the same thing that you do with fiction, which is that you run it past beta readers yes, and you get reactions to it and you hone it based on that and make sure that you are getting the reaction from the pitch that you want. And the reaction you want is, ooh, I want to know more about that. That is the reaction you're getting that you're looking for. And then you practice it. Mm-hmm. Hey, writers. Are you thinking about learning a new language? I think exploring the world, experiencing other cultures, and being able to communicate with people outside your everyday experience lets you create richer, better stories. A great way to do that is with Rosetta Stone, a trusted expert for over 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. They use an immersive technique which leads to fast language acquisition. It's an intuitive process that helps you really learn to speak, listen, and most of all, think in the language you're trying to learn. They also feature true accent speech recognition technology that gives you feedback on your pronunciation. It's like having a voice coach in your home. Learn at home or on the go with a desktop and mobile app that let you download and access lessons even when you're offline. And it's an amazing value. A lifetime membership gives you access to all 25 languages, including Spanish, French, Italian, German, Japanese, and, of course, Korean. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Writing Excuses listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com today. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants. They all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. All right, let's stop for our book of the week. Eric, you are going to pitch a book to us. Yes, uh, the book is Ghost in the Wires, by Kevin Mitnick and William Simon. Kevin Mitnick was on the FBI's most wanted list as a hacker back in the 1990s, and this is basically the the story of his life and uh, how he went from being a hacker uh, hiding from the FBI to a security consultant now. Hmm. Um, And the the most interesting thing for me was I thought it's going to be all about how to penetrate computer systems and, (laughs) and things like that. Most of what he did is what he called social engineering, which is convincing people at companies to send him stuff or to give him passwords. Um, and so a lot of this was not technical, but rather about how to get people to do what he wanted by convincing them that mm-hmm. he yeah. was authorized to in get leverage that terms. In leverage terms, he was a hacker and a grifter. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, Great. How can they get a copy of this book? Audiblepodcast.com slash excuse. Start a 30-day free trial membership with Audible and have, I don't know who the narrator is, but have have a narrator uh, read you the story of Kevin Mitnick, uh, the ghost in the wires. Okay, this might be a hard one. Christopher, uh, the writerist, asks, what is the worst writing slash career advice you've gotten? <laughs> um, <laughs> sorry. When I um, 
I was I was once told by an established professional writer that uh, you need to save your file as a dot text and then look at the size of the file because that would tell you the word count and that you needed to and it had to be an ASCII it was just like this weird and I'm like why don't you just use word count <laughs> but he he had grown up in an era when that wasn't a thing and he had to do it all by file size and this weird archaic thing wow okay I would say the one that stands out to me was when a student came to me and said they had been told that um, when you submit your, um, your, your, manuscript. your manuscript, you should not include a SAZI because if they really want the book, they'll get a hold of you. And not including a SAZI, a stealth Jeff stamped envelope. Back in the days where you did print submissions, <laughs> you should not include that um, because it's a sign of confidence that they will like the story. But instead, you should include a headshot because wow. that publishers <laughs> look for attractive writers. And this was a writer who had been given this advice. I went to their website, and lo and behold, this was their advice on the website. Um, maybe oh, the, the, um, the person misconstrued, the, the student did. But yes, so I would say that was really bad advice. That's terrible <laughs> advice. What do you got? I, I remember being told that you want your manuscript, your book manuscript to stand out mm -hmm. uh, when you send it to the publisher. And so instead of sending them just a bunch of loose pages, you should have it printed up and bound uh, <laughs> like it's already a book. Because when they see it that way, they'll think, wow, this really could mm. be a book. <laughs> and so you should send it to them that way. Wow. That's... Okay. So mine, Brandon, you might actually remember this. Mm -hmm. uh, Brandon and I and Pat Rothfuss and... Two or three other people were sitting with a couple of uh, writer aspirants uh, mm -hmm. at the in the hotel lobby at Penguicon, mm -hmm. and some little old lady did a drive-by advice where she walked past us, you know, heard part of what she was saying, and in all seriousness said, "Oh, please, you shouldn't be writing in that science fiction genre. If you really want to make any money at this, you girls should be writing romance." And then she stormed off, <laughs> um, and. And it's not necessarily bad advice to write romance, but that was the moment in which I saw the worst giving of advice ever. <laughs> oh, right. The, yeah. Even the method of it. Was, the, it was yeah. just, it was awful. But it led to a wonderful, wonderful discussion in which Pat dropped the F-bomb on me. <laughs> okay. Um, Jenna asks, how do you help a writer friend who is discouraged and wants to quit it wants to quit. How do you help them find encouragement and faith in their story again? Oh, well, you know, this is going to be kind of weird. But in some cases, I, I look at why they're discouraged. Mm -hmm. um, because sometimes people want to quit, and that is, in fact, the right decision for them. Mm. Um, and you need to recognize that because it's not the right decision for you does not necessarily mean that it is the wrong decision for them. Okay. Um, so, so the first thing that I would do is find out why they want to quit. And if it is, if it is just self, if it's self-doubt, yeah. then, then that you address and you help them get past. If it is that they don't actually enjoy it, let them quit. Yeah. 
You know, don't force people to do something they don't enjoy by by making them feel guilty about. Wow, that's great advice. That's if not somebody, where I expected if this somebody to go. in 1999 had uh, had pulled all of the right uh, social engineering wet hacking buttons on me and convinced me to relaunch the music career, uh, I would never have become a cartoonist. It is entirely possible that the thing that you love that they are doing, the writing that they are doing, is not, in fact, uh, the thing that they are, quote-unquote, meant to do. Yeah. Now, uh, it is, that's, let's say, it is equally or more possible that they really deeply desire to become a writer. Yes. But there are, are a host of things that could cause this. Either they have actual, you know, de chemical depression or, most, you know, depression. You, you need to be a good supportive friend in yes, that realm, absolutely. which is something we can't cover here. Or they are the, hitting that stage of writing where they are a good enough reader to recognize that the writer, their writing does not match their dreams for what they want it to be. Yeah. And in that case, most writers hit that, and they need to practice a lot to get past that, and you it is what? a hard we thing. We did that cast. Yes. Um, advice to my with, friend Scott. Uh, well, no, it was yeah. advice to my friend Scott, but mm -hmm. we had uh, Medi Harrison on where she talked oh. about you know, the 21 reasons why you don't have time to write. Right. Yeah. If you, as a friend to a writer, mm -hmm. are familiar with this material, you might be able to look at them and say, oh, mm -hmm. I see what the problem is. The problem is that you know, these things are interrupting you, or this is discouraging you, or whatever. Right. If you are familiar with the things that get in the way for writers, you're probably going to have a much better toolbox for... Right. But I, I will go back to what Mary said. Don't force them to do something they don't want to do. Find the source of this. Yeah. yeah. Um, and if it's depression, then being positive and upbeat is often not the right answer. Being empathetic is the right answer and saying, wow, that stinks, and I understand this is just hard. Um, I know it, it, there could be so many things causing this. Yeah, yeah, but really, the, the first step is to find out yeah. why why they are discouraged. All right, we are going to end right here. Um, though I'm going to get, we're going to get to more of these questions on a future podcast, so we're not done with all of them. And I am going to ask Eric. No, I made you do it twice. I'll I'll make myself do a writing prompt. Um, your writing prompt is something magical is preventing your friend from pursuing their dreams, but you don't know what it is. Write a story about a character who is trying to figure out. Maybe if they finish the story, someone will die. I don't know, but there you are. You have your writing prompt. This has been writing excuses. You are out of excuses. Now go write. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, For the ones who get it done.